Hello, friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. It is time for Let's Talk About Jesus right here on our website, our weekly Bible study. Once again, thank you for joining us today. We're fulfilling a scriptural mandate, a command from the Word of God. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, but much more as you see the day approaching, exhorting one another. We're to build up one another. We're to encourage one another. And in particular, in the context of the end times and the last days, we are to strongly encourage one another in right living. Amen. I want to encourage you today to stay true to God, especially now more than ever. For the Bible said that day would not come except there was a falling away first. The son of perdition would not be revealed. The Antichrist would not be manifest until there is first a falling away. And and that falling away has begun. So many are turning away and going back. That's why Jesus gave us the the very significant and stern warning in Scripture, remember Lot's wife. She had been delivered out of the city that was going to be destroyed through God's wrath and His justifiable anger. Their sins had reached heaven, and, and justice was going to be adjudicated as fire coming down and destroying that city. And she was out of the city on her way uh, to escape that judgment with her husband and her children. But she looked back. You know why she looked back? Because she wanted to go back. She wanted to go back into that place that God had called her and and through through calling the family out of that city. Listen, don't look back. You know what the scripture said, my son? Don't let your heart envy sinners. Don't look at what they have, what they're experiencing, and long to to have those same fleshly desires fulfilled through sin. Once God set you free, Don't look back. (laughs) In fact, the Apostle Paul said, forgetting the things that are behind, because that was yesterday, that was then, this is now. And reaching forth to the things that are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Jesus Christ. Well, let's get in God's Word today. We're going to be talking about a subject that every Christian should be interested in. And if you're not a Christian, uh, please stay tuned. We want you to know what's in store for you if you decide to give your heart and life to Jesus, to escape the wrath to come, and to be secure in Christ when He comes. <laughs> please stay tuned today. We welcome you as our very special guest. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Psalm 47 and verse 7 as our foundational scripture for this teaching, because we're going to be talking about worshiping God with understanding. Worshiping God 
with understanding. Now, we all have different forms of worship, different ways of worship in different denominations, and there are some specific things that God has told us about worship in the New Covenant in particular of how to worship Him acceptably. Amen. But we want to understand what is truly occurring when we truly worship God. Amen. And so Psalm 47, 7, it kind of sums it up in a synopsis, and it says, For God is king over all the earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. Sing ye praises with understanding. Praise God. Friend of mine, when we come to God's house to worship Him, it's much more than just going to church and going through the motions. As Christians, we have access to a spiritual kingdom, (laughs) to a mighty King who welcomes us into His presence and promises us that that when we gather together in His name and in Jesus' name, when we gather together in His name, He said, There am I in the midst of them. Oh, friend of mine, I want you to think about that. When we come together to worship God, God shows up. Christ shows up, the Holy Spirit shows up and is ready to show out if we'll let him. Praise God. What I'm saying is that he will manifest the presence of God. I'm not just talking about feeling sensations. I'm talking about sensing the Holy Spirit presence of God to receive our worship, not sitting high aloft and aloof in his heaven, but right in the room with us. You say, now, preacher, you're just getting, you know, twilight zone. No, I'm not. I'm telling you, this is more than just going through ordinances and practicing uh, things that we've done 150 times before. No, we are, are 1,500, depending how long we've been going to that church. Friend of mine, I want you to know, when we worship God in spirit and in truth, we we have the promise of His presence. So we have access to a spiritual kingdom, to a mighty King who welcomes us into His presence to worship Him in spirit and in truth. That's what Jesus taught about worship, didn't He? He told the, the woman at the well the first thing she wanted to know how to do after tasting the living water of His grace and mercy and salvation. It was where, where do we worship God? In that holy city or that holy mountain? And he said, neither. The time has come and now is when true worshipers will worship God in spirit and in truth. That's why praising Him, worshiping Him with understanding is so important. He inhabits the praises of His people, the Scripture said. So we are, we are to expect to experience His presence. The word inhabits in the Hebrew means He's enthroned. 
we're, we're, when we worship Him as the mighty God, King of all the earth, as He truly is, and the wonderful Savior that Jesus is, and mighty King as well. Friend of mine, I want you to know He inhabits, He is enthroned by our praises, and where He is, is worshiped as he truly is with the with the reverence that is due his presence and the, and the, and the devotion not just emotion friend of mine there's a lot of emotion that that doesn't necessarily represent the deep devotion the fear of the lord is deep devotion with deep reverence with 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 deep devotion and hallelujah listen with awe and affection we love the lord but we're in awe of how great he is and we love him because this great god is so gracious to us and is and has has expressed that grace to us by jesus christ and his sacrifice on the cross. Hallelujah. We're to recognize, to fully understand, we are in the presence of the holiest of persons, in the holiest of places. And I'm not talking about your pastor. I'm not talking about your, your, uh, the special evangelist. I'm talking about God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And I'm not talking about the building with the stained glass and steeple. Surely we, we should recognize this is set aside for a holy purpose, but the holy place we're going to is beyond the building. There's a spiritual coming into the presence of God and worshiping with the angels of God. Amen. In the presence of God. What a rich and fulfilling opportunity we enjoy in worshiping God with understanding. Listen to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 through 24. It says, but you are come, you are come unto Mount Zion. Now, if you back up just a little bit, it, it says, you have not come to the mountain that cannot be touched. But you are now come. In other words, you're not come to the old covenant situation where God was so separated from his covenant people that when he came down on top of a mountain, Moses was the only one that could come up and talk to him. And it was a fearful thing. A friend of mine, I want you to know that it was a dangerous thing uh, to, to come into the holy presence of where God was manifesting his presence. But you are come as a New Testament, New Covenant believer. Verse 22 said, you, are, you didn't come to that mountain. You're not worshiping God under the same circumstances of the Old Covenant, but as a New Covenant believer. You couldn't go behind the veil. Hallelujah. But now you can. He couldn't come from behind the veil in the temple because it would kill him if he did. Amen. But now, not only can we go behind the veil into the holiest and worship our God in his holy presence, but he can come 
from behind the veil and manifest his presence to us. In other words, if you back up from in verse 18 and bring it down in context, it'll say you haven't come to that mountain that cannot be touched, but you have come to a spiritual Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable, didn't I tell you we're going to worship with angels every Sunday morning if we worship with understanding, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn. This is not a denomination. I want you to stay with me for a little while. We we will never get this all done in this one 30-minute Bible study, but I hope we can create an appetite, hallelujah, like a lady in our church that came for a Bible study that had been canceled, and this was before we had the technology to let everybody know on Facebook and, 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 and you know, text and other places. So I waited at the church to tell people it had been canceled because of an emergency, and a lady showed up, my precious dear sister Pat, and I said, I'm so glad that you came hungry for the Word of God. She said, well, the service was so good this morning, and I want some more. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, a friend of mine, I want some more. I want to understand better what it truly means to worship God in spirit and in truth. You haven't come to that old situation where you are unworthy to experience his presence, to get near his presence, to touch anything that was made holy by his presence. But you are come as a New Testament believer, a new covenant believer, but you are come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly... Oh, that's a lot better than just going to church and going through the motions. Can somebody holler amen loud enough out there? Not just for me to hear it, but for God to know that you are interested and you are saying, be it unto me according to your word, that I might understand what it means to worship you in spirit and in truth with this understanding. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. <laughs> I tell you, I love my brothers and sisters, but, uh, you know, not, not one of them, including me, <laughs> is, is celestial and divine. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. We're part of the vine, but we are not divine. But when we worship Him, we worship Him with the angels of God that worship Him. We, we are a friend of mine. And to the general assembly, Hebrews twelve twenty three, and the church of the firstborn, not a denomination, stay with me, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. I'm going to tell you, every saint of God that has preceded us into the presence of God, we that worship Him, we worship with them. And to Jesus, didn't He make a promise? 
Hallelujah. Where two or more of you gather together in my name, there am I. In the midst of them. Hallelujah. The mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh of better things than that of Abel. Glory to God. I want to read you a statement. I hope you're excited about church becoming more than than a routine that we just go through and practice robotically on Sunday morning. And some people don't even bother going anymore because they don't understand what the value is in assembling together to worship together in His name. They 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 might be playing what the kind of worship music they like on the radio, watching somebody worship on television and calling that worshiping God with understanding. No, you don't understand. When we come together in His name, when we forsake not the assembling of ourselves together, we come in a collective, corporate worship. God is in the midst of us to receive that worship, and we are there in the presence of God to receive the manifestation of that presence individually and personally in our life. And in His presence, the Scripture said, there's fullness of joy, and at His right hand, there's pleasure forevermore. Praise God. Enter His gates with thanksgiving. Enter His courts with praise. Hallelujah. And come before His presence with singing. Glory be to God. I'm going to read you this. This is good. This is part of the, 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 really the theology of worship. And we're going to stay away from that theology and get real practical and personal today. Amen. Though it's a spiritual thing that is supposed to occur. One of the scholars of scripture commentaries on these writings right here says this, and I quote, the writer of Hebrews is eager to communicate a theology of worship. He hopes if we understand what worship really is, then it will transform our thinking. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 through 24. And he says this is perhaps the greatest passage in the Bible as it relates to the nature and character of worship. What does it mean to come to church and worship Almighty God? It's part of the rich inheritance that we enjoy as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. The writer of the 12th chapter of Hebrews is, a, is seeking to answer this question. When you meet together for worship, with whom are you meeting? That is the context in which he begins to unravel much of this material. In verses 18 and following, the writer is eager to point out that there was an old paradigm of worship. Indeed, he talks about a holy mountain burning with fire, darkness, gloom, and storm, and a trumpet blast. Even if an animal touches the base of the mountain, Scripture said it's to be thrust through with a spear. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. 
In the old economy, worship essentially involved one person, Moses, going into the darkness of Mount Sinai to meet God. The rest of the people stood in adoration far back in the distance. According to the writer of Hebrews, this is no longer the case. The old economy has been replaced by a new covenant. You no longer have to go to Mount Sinai, he says. You've come to Mount Zion to the heavenly Jerusalem, to the city of the living God. This happens every time we gather together to worship. This is the richness of our inheritance. You see, dear friend, true worship is rich in spiritual meaning and spiritual reality because the unseen world breaks upon us in the act of worship. The Apostle Paul writes to the church at, at, at Corinth and he says, Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on not what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Praise God. While we look not at the things what we see, but we look that the, at the things we do not see. How do you do that? By the revelation of the Word of God and by the realization of the presence of God through the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Listen, it begins with this. You have come not to the, this church, this denomination, this name, but you have come to Mount Zion as a believer. The new covenant encourages us to climb our mountain where the old covenant forbade people to touch the mountain of that covenant. Of course, this Mount Zion is not a literal mountain like Mount Sinai was. While there's a literal Mount Zion, which is where Jewish the Jewish temple was built by Solomon in Jerusalem, the Mount Zion of this passage is something altogether different. Psalm 2 and 6 begins to explain it. Listen, he says, But as for me, I've installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. The second psalm is highly messianic in nature, speaking of the coming rule of Jesus, the Messiah and King of Kings. The Hebrew writer employing this concept makes it known that Jesus is now ruling in spiritual Zion as king. He always had intended to rule over a spiritual kingdom and not a physical one. Listen to John 18 and verse 36. It says, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from hence. I like the amplified of this. It says, Jesus answered, My kingdom, kingship, and royal power belongs not to this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my followers would have been fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom 
is not from here, this world. It has no such origin or source. Friend of mine, we are now His children, the sons of God, subject of His kingdom, where Jesus is Lord and King, our Savior and our Sovereign. We now serve a new king in a new kingdom. Praise God. Listen, listen to what has occurred when you accept Christ as your Savior. There's a spiritual transaction and a spiritual translation. <laughs> Hallelujah. Colossians, it's supernatural. Glory be to God. Amen. You, have you seen the bumper sticker? If you're a Trekkie or a Star Trek, a Star Wars fan of, 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 of these, these great science fiction films and television movies, have you seen the bumper sticker that says, it says, beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> There's no intelligent life down here. I kind of like that. There is no Scotty to beam us up to another planet. But there is a mighty Savior that's going to take us up out of this old world. And very, very soon. I love that song. Andre Crouch, who is with the Lord now, made very popular. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. But until the King actually comes in the secret coming, the rapture of the church, and before He comes in the second coming, when He stands upon the mountain and every eye shall see Him, praise God, until then He comes to us through the Holy Spirit. Amen. And when we get saved, glory be to God, listen to this scripture about translation and transformation listen hebrew colossians chapter 1 and verse 13 speaking of jesus who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son you see, dear friends, the great doors of the prison of darkness have been shattered in the mighty chains that held us in sin's bondage to Satan have been broken. We've come to Zion where Jesus reigns, where He is Lord of all and Lord of our life. And He reigns supreme to a kingdom which cannot be moved because His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Praise God. Aren't you glad that the new covenant allows us to come into the very presence of God? Because what Jesus has done to save us and sanctify us positionally, that robe of righteousness that He has given us, that gift of righteousness, allows us to come to the mountain that they couldn't dream of coming to, to go behind the veil that they would be killed by approaching this God, this God who dwells in unapproachable light. That even angels, think about that. The book of Isaiah chapter 6 said that he had an experience. He had a, 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 a glancing view at what we're looking at here in, uh, in, in the kingdom, the spiritual kingdom of God. Listen, he said, I went into the temple 
And it was different this time. He said God's presence was in there. I saw the Lord. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. Literally, his glory filled the temple. And I saw the seraphim, these angels, that angel, that minister in the presence of God. They're called seraphim. And what is unique about these angels, dear friend, is they had they had three sets of wings. And with twain, they did cover their faces in the presence of God. And with twain, they did cover their feet. They had on robes, but that part of even the celestial being was covered in the presence of God. Why? Because the glory of God was so strong, emanating from His presence. <laughs> Hallelujah. That they had to have, they had to be created to, to, to minister in His presence with coverings to keep them from being destroyed by the full manifest presence of God. As, as sinless as they were, they couldn't approach this holy God without that kind of covering. And he said one set allowed them to move and minister, but the other two sets were just to cover their faces and cover their feet. <laughs> no, you know what he said in reaction to praising God with understanding that his presence is there to receive it. You know what he said? Woe is me. He was God's chosen prophet to bring a, a, a major message. He's called a major prophet and, and, and major also in the sense of a messianic prophet. Because Isaiah 53 is called the gospel in the Old Testament. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. Oh, friend of mine. And yet this holy, God-appointed, God-anointed prophet said, Woe is me. I'm undone. I am in no way qualified to stand in this kind of presence. Friend of mine, we have been delivered into the kingdom of God's dear Son. And on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came to indwell men and women just like you and me, amen, there was seen upon their heads cloven tongues of fire. In other words, the Holy One manifesting the Holy Presence within us, the glory that was in that temple was now beginning to shine forth in our temple. Our body became. Oh, I don't know if you, I don't know if you got on your shouting shoes this morning. I don't know if you own a pair. But if you don't own a pair, you need to get yourself a pair. Because this, this requires more than a ho-hum and an amen. This requires a man of praise, of gratitude unto God when we begin to praise Him with understanding. Glory be to God. Amen. God has done something so far beyond this, this routine that we many times call worship 
when we worship without understanding. That's all it is. So it's meaningless to God and it's meaningless to us except giving us a sentimental feeling instead of a spiritual reality. We have come to Zion. Hallelujah. Because we've been delivered from the powers of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son, our Sovereign, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Praise God. A friend of mine, our time is gone. I hope you come back next week as we continue to talk about Jesus. And we continue this great subject. So when we see a sign that says worship service at a particular time on Sunday morning, we understand what is about to occur. And prayerfully, we can go into a church that worships God with understanding. And you will sense and see a lot more than people watching the clock because they can't wait to get out and go have some fun. Friend of mine, this is better than fun. This is, this is joy. This is joy. You know what the scripture said? Having not seen, we love. We express that love in worship. Having not seen, we love because we understand He's there. We're not looking at what is seen, but what is unseen. And we understand we're in a kingdom, and that kingdom is in us. And we're here in the presence of our King, our God and our Savior, and the mighty Holy Spirit, and the angels of God. (laughs) Praise God. Amen. Whom having not seen you love with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. That's what worship is supposed to allow and embrace. And that way you can't wait to get to church. You can't wait to assemble together because you understand what's about to occur and you're going to be a part of it with your brothers and sisters in Jesus. I encourage you to find a worshiping church. I don't mean just feel good, pat your foot and clap your hand, even dance. I'm talking about people who really understand and reverence God and worship Him in spirit and in truth. I'm telling you, you'll come out not wanting to to tarnish this this place and position you have in Jesus with the sins of this old fallen world. You'll want to serve Him in the beauty and worship Him in the beauty of holiness. Glory to God. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior today, I want you to know this is not some man-made religious system. This is a very real God who loves you with a very real love, who sent a very real Savior, Jesus Christ, to take your place and mine upon a very real old rugged cross. He had laid down His life to suffer for six solid hours so he could stand in the presence of God 
and be our great high priest and say, I've paid their sin debt. If they'll come to me by faith, I ask that you receive them as your own. Forgive their sin and seal them with the Holy Spirit. Write their name in the Lamb's book of life. Take them to heaven when I come. Listen, friend, don't run from Jesus. Run to Him. Church can't do this for you. The preacher can't. The priest can't. The pastor can't. Angels couldn't. But Jesus did. Come to Christ today. Confess your sin and repent of it. Get in this kingdom of love, grace, and light. (laughs) Hallelujah. God will bust you out of that prison. (laughs) Jesus will set you free. In Jesus' name, amen.